0: Because once a year, we like to tell our story in regards to the Heartbeat of Living Stones Church. Like, this is what God has called us to. This is our vision. Because any other normal Sunday, you could show up and you get a glimpse of our corporate personality and worship. But an hour and five, an hour and ten minutes later, it's kind of hard to know what makes our heart beat faster what God has called us to. So this morning, I'm just going to tell you outright, here is our story, so you'll have a good idea as you leave whether that church is whack, I'm never going back there again, or whether this might be a place where you could say, I want to be involved in whatever they're doing in terms of the neighborhood and community around us. But for those of you who have been here for a long time, it's important that we tell this story over and over and over again, because churches drift. They're just vision leaks. What happens is we know that institutions and organizations and churches, they might begin a particular place, but over time they have a tendency to drift. And most often than not, they have a tendency to move inward, to be focused on themselves and what they want and what they need, rather than what God has actually called us to. So it's very important that we remind ourselves over and over and over again, this is our calling. This is what God has called us to do and to celebrate both the victories we've received, but also look forward to great expectation of what He's still going to do in this place and in our neighborhood. And our community. So if I could just begin our story. It actually begins in 1956. That's when this building was built, back in 1956. It looked something like this, back in 1956, and you could see some differences. Anyone notice what's missing here? Trees are missing. Anything else? The rocks are missing, and Christmas tree lights were all not present back in 1956. It was a, we built the building in 1956 because we'd outgrown the building that used to exist It's still there. It's on Twickingham and Calvert, right across from Lincoln School. There's like a a bread. used to be a bread shop. And then next to that is a little brick church building. That's where it used to meet, It outgrew there, moved here in 1956. And then it continued to grow. Here's what it looked like on the inside. We'll just go through this together, Chad. Here's what it used to look like. You got the pews on both sides, the center aisle. Uh, Keep going. This is what it looked like in 1971. You can kind of see the hairstyles and dress, and here's a picture of the church back then. What you see is just all gray cinder block around the room, like there's there's no color whatsoever. Next picture, still uh, around the early 80s, I think this might be. You see people coming out of the lobby here. The guy on the right-hand side, you know who that is? That's a young Chuck Barrington right there. Uh, And this would be the Chuck Barrington family. The little runt right there is me. I was born and raised in this church here, and so look at my mom's hairstyle. You like that? That was the look, I guess, back then. Wow. That's a... <laughs> now, she was here at 9 o'clock service, but the person who goes all the way back is Helen Richards. I got a picture here of Helen Richards, I think, via 1971. There she is, Don and Helen Richards. She uh, was here first service in 1956 and even went before that, back to the days of the Calvert and Caroline Church of Christ. So we used to be the Donmore Avenue Church of Christ. It was an acapella cappella. Church of Christ. What that means is, is when you walked in here, we did not worship with instruments. There were no instruments on the stage. We sang four-part harmony. We sang you need You had to know whether you were an alto or a soprano or a bass or a tenor, and that's what worship looked like. We were very theologically conservative. We had lots of different thoughts and opinions and practices at the time. In fact, does anyone here, who goes back to the days when we used to be the dominated Church of Christ? Anyone just raise your hand if you go back. Just a few, just a handful of you. Um, and so we were from, let's just kind of talk through our story from 1956 uh, usually uh, the people who were here kind of were from the south. Like I remember growing up here, most of the older members, they were from Tennessee and Alabama who came up here for work. And so they started this church way back when. Uh, but then let's kind of fast forward to the, about the early 90s. There were other Acapella churches of Christ in the area. And what happens is we in the Acapella Church of Christ tradition, we're kind of a cantankerous group and we like to fight and argue. We do that very well. And so other churches were doing that and splitting. And then in the early 90s, we started to get here at this church, people who were going from, they're coming from Granger and LaPorte and Plymouth and Elkhart and Niles, driving to the south side of South Bend, to the neighborhood of Don Murray Avenue to do church. And what we all had in common at the time was a background in Acapella Churches of Christ. Now, we would not have said this at the time, but really the reason why we existed was was to serve the constituencies of acapella church christ families that 's why we really did exist, and when I got here and ni- I, I went to graduate school, came back in one thousand nine hundred and ninety seven I began here in January of that year, and uh, when I got here, we were driving from all sorts of different places and different locations, none of us were really centrally located here on the south side of South Bend, so a few years into my time here, we thought, you know what we ought to do? we ought to move we didn 't have air conditioning at the time, which I know today doesn 't matter, but like in July it matters and and the building was getting older and kind of more decrepit and our whole ch- children's area was, eh, you know. Just, and so we just thought, you know what, well, let's just sell the building and let's build a brand-new building with air conditioning on a major thoroughfare, not like on a neighborhood, but like on the bypass or on a major highway because we knew enough about church statistics that told us sometimes you could grow a church just by doing that. Brand-new building, big, bright, fla- flashy sign on a major thoroughfare that everybody drives by. You could grow a church just like that. So we put committees together as a church to help us sell our building and to move. And we started to talk to Church Growth Services, which was a company that helps churches in this in this process. And so I got to tell you, honestly, personally, I was jazzed and excited. I was like, all right, let's get a new building and somewhere else and air conditioning. And, you know, I was just kind of excited about that. So in 2001, I was turning 30 years old, uh, which means I'm 31. Uh, and so... Uh, and and I decided, I thought in my mind, I got this in my, in my head, you know what would be neat, uh, Jesus when he turned 30 started his public ministry and he began it with 40 days of prayer and fasting. And I was turning 30, and I thought, I'd like to do 40 days of prayer and fasting. And so on June 7th of 2001, I started a 40-day time of prayer and fasting. I spent 30 days here continuing to work, but the last 10 days, I went to a retreat center outside of Plymouth, Indiana, the Lindenwood Retreat Center, for the last 10 days. Now, I'll never forget, I was in room number seven, praying, asking, I mean, I was praying about all sorts of things, in my personal life, just in my family, but a lot about the church and our in our direction, and our vision, and I was asking God to bless our move and to sell our building, and Stanley Clark was interested in buying it, so it looked promising and hopeful. I mean, we just, it was like, and so bless this Lord, and we're praying for this, and it's going to be awesome. And that evening, one of those evenings, God spoke back and said, what makes you think you'll be a better steward somewhere else than where you're presently at? And I remember thinking, huh, (laughs) that's a good question. And then in that same evening, even though I grew up here on the south side of South Bend, All of a sudden, the Lord just started to bring to mind in a way that has never happened to me since I moved back here. All of a sudden, I started to think about things like Monroe School, which is just a block and a half away. And in 2001, it had the second lowest I-STEP test scores in the South Bend School Corporation, which will give you kind of a reflection of the community that's right here around this church building and some of the issues and some of the needs are. I also started to think about the Miami Hills Apartments, which I don't know if you know anything about them, but our parking lot out here, if you jumped over this fence over here, you'll hit a synagogue, take one more jump, and you'll hit Miami Hills Apartments. It's a government-subsidized housing complex, and you could find anything there, from poverty to drugs to addictions to people who are just struggling to make it through. It just, I mean, just all sorts of struggles, and I couldn't think of anything in our history as a church that we had done anything for the sake of the kingdom of God or the gospel of Jesus Christ at Miami Hills Apartments. And if you go across this fence line on the other side of our parking lot and just do a jump and a skip over there, you'll hit Southmore Housing Co-op. Now, it's different than Miami Hills, but if you ever go back in there, it goes on for days. It's old army housing that was constructed over after the war, and tons of people lived there. And once again, I couldn't think of anything as a church we had done to serve our community and our neighborhood for the sake of Jesus for people who lived right around the corner from us. And then I just started to think about, you know, when you go out of our parking lot here, the, our, our driveway uh, hit, hits Erskine, and that dead ends eight blocks north at Riley High School. I mean, eight blocks away is really, and in 2001, before Plan Z, it was the largest high school in the South Bend School Corporation, and, and so... It just two and a half blocks away from Riley, just to the east, was at the time Studebaker Primary Center. And Studebaker had the lowest I-STEP test scores in the South Bend School Corporation. And in my mind, I just started thinking about from where we're located, go down Donmore and hang a ride on Michigan Street. And you can find anything on Michigan. I mean, prostitution, drugs, pornography. You, I mean, it is all there. And if you just kind of, in your mind, just think of Miami Hills, the Southmore Housing Co-op, and I thought of Donmore, Woodside, Oakside, Eckman, Irvington, Fairview, right, Victoria, Altgeld, Ewing, Fox, Don. I mean, you just go all the way down to Indiana Avenue, and the furthest point is Miami and Indiana, and that, in this picture in my head, 1.3 miles away. Now, in 2000, we did the census, right, and it was online then in 2001. There are over 10,000 people who live right around our church building, like just in these neighborhoods right around us. And in that one evening, I was convinced that we weren't supposed to move, that we were supposed to stay planted here at 718 East Dummer Avenue and figure out how do you go from being an inward focused, unhealthy acapella church of Christ to a healthy, outward focused, existing for the sake of the neighborhood and community around us kind of a church. And I didn't have the first clue what that looked like or how to do that, but I just was convinced I think God is calling us to that. So, always feeling insecure about hearing from the voice of the Lord, I came back from that retreat time, got together with all of our elders and ministry leaders and other leaders of the church, and I just said, listen, maybe I was just starving and I didn't hear right, but I think God might want us to abandon our plans to move and stay here where we're at and to kind of do this mission. And so we talked about it and we all broke up and prayed for several weeks and came back together again. And un- every leader unanimously said that was correct. We were not supposed to move. So we abandoned all of our plans to move and then we set our mind and our sight on. How do we shift from being who we are, I mean, at the core, the DNA of our church, to being an outward-focused church that exists for the sake of the neighborhood around us? And we didn't know what we were doing. I'll never forget, 2005 was the very first thing we did. We had a vacation Bible school. We wanted to invite all the kids in the neighborhood to it. And I'll never forget that first night being so nervous. I didn't know when any kids show up. I mean, that'd be awful. I mean, we had hundreds of kids show up and spend a week with us for a vacation Bible school. And it wasn't all easy, and really, and it cost us dearly. In fact, in 2003, we lost half our church. We started there with about maybe 250, 220, 225 people, and half of them walked away. Good people, people that loved Jesus, who just, they were not, that's not their, they didn't all walk away at the same time, or the same reason, they didn't all go to the same place. But in December of 2003, we lost one more family, and I can't explain it, because it wasn't even about them, only like they started, but we knew who remained, that that was it. Like, that was just kind of the end of the exodus, and It was. So we entered 2004 with sort of a time of peace, and you need it because you had to heal and you were hurt because a lot of people were your good friends and people that we loved, and it was sad, depressing. I mean, really, 2003 was a bad, sad, depressing year. And so 2004, we kind of had a good year of peace, but by the end of that year, people here had said to us as leaders, you know, we too sacrificed a lot with our friendships and said goodbye to people that we love, but we didn't do that just for peace. We did that for this vision that we're going to take over our neighborhood and community with the gospel of Jesus. So are we doing it or not? And so we just said, well, let's get, let's get on with it. So we met back in, right now it's the Rockstar Room. It looked totally different back in 2005, but we met together to talk about our mission and our vision and what God is calling us to, and we were much smaller back then. So picture, you know, 80 to 100 people showing up on a Sunday morning. It was like, woo you know. And so uh, we met back here in this Rockstar Room, and here's what we knew God was calling us to. This is the mission statement that we came up with. It is this. We want to cooperate in God's mission of love as we teach and demonstrate the ways of Jesus and invite others into this life journey. Now, several things on here is very important. One is we think God is already at work in the neighborhood around us. It isn't like he's absent and needs us to go do something. He's already at work. He's already at Monroe School. He's already at Riley High School. He's already on Irvington Street. He's already at Victoria. And what we want to do is figure out where he's at and just work alongside him and cooperate with what he's already doing because it's easier like that. We're kind of lazy, right? And it's just easier. If you could hook up with what God is already doing, that makes things easier. We don't need to start something. And so our prayer needs to be, God, where are you? We want to cooperate with you. But we know because of the ministry of Jesus that his mission is one of love. And this is very important in terms of tone and personality of churches, because you might have encountered angry churches they wouldn't have been to an angry church like they're mean, like they're angry God doesn't like anybody he's ready to smite you at the day. I mean. See, no, we think, no, that's not the mission of Jesus. The ministry of God through the person of Jesus is he's crazy in love with you. And because what Paul tells us in Romans, we think it's his love that will lead us to repentance and a life change, not a message of guilt, not a message of condemnation. And we want everyone in our neighborhood to know that God's mission is one of he's crazy in love with you. It doesn't matter what you are, where you've been, what you've done. It doesn't change God's love for you one bit. And so we want to then commit ourselves to teaching and demonstrating the ways of Jesus and the real ways. It's not like some ethereal, oh, no, I mean, like how you drive down Miami Street, how you place your order at Logan's will reflect the ways of Jesus. And we want to be about teaching those things and demonstrating those things and then inviting everyone on this life journey. What that life journey language means is we're not perfect. We don't have it all figured out. It's not like, hey, come to Livingstone's Church and you could be perfect like us. No, no, no. It's we're all got our next step in Jesus and you're invited to come alongside of us and Take your next step in Jesus, just like we're taking our next steps in Jesus. And then we came up with this vision statement, and it's the longest vision statement of any church I've ever seen. It's kind of whack, but here it is, four sentences. Number one, we are ambassadors of Christ, demonstrating the kingdom of God wherever we find ourselves, but specifically concentrating our collective energies within the context of the South Side of South Bend. Now, let me unpack this for just a moment. Here's what this means. There are a lot of, I'd say maybe even 50% of our church does not live on the South Side of South Bend. We've got people on staff. We've got elders. They don't live on the south side of South Bend. You don't have to live on the south side of South Bend to be here at this church or to love Jesus. You should, but you, you don't have to. Okay. Um, it's wherever we find ourselves. If you work in Elkhart, then you're going to represent Jesus and be an ambassador of Jesus in Elkhart. If you live in Mishawaka, then in your neighborhood, you're going to treat your neighbors like Jesus would. That's what it means to be an ambassador of Jesus. If you work on the north side of South Bend, however, you're, right, you're going to treat your co-workers and your boss in the manner of Jesus. And that's what it means to be an ambassador. So wherever we find ourselves, that's what we're going to do. We're going to be ambassadors of Jesus. But what we've collectively decided is we're going to, our collective energies here at this church are going to be focused collectively, concentrated in the south, side of, the south side of South Bend. Here's what we've discovered and learned. That when you say, oh, we're just going to love everybody and serve everybody and bless everybody, do you know what actually happens? you end up not loving or serving or blessing anybody. That we've discovered when you have a laser light focus, when you have a specific calling, you do better in regards to impact right? Impact in ministry. And for us, we are in the heart. If you've got a map of the south side of South Bend, 718 East Domer Avenue is almost the dead smack center of the south side of South Bend. There are 42,500 people, as you learn in Jeopardy, who live on the south side of South Bend. It makes up the zip codes of 4613, 46614. There are approximately 11,800 children who live on the, give or take a few, who live on the south side of South Bend. We believe that's who God has called us to. And so that's why when you're here, you hear a lot about things like Riley High School, Jackson, Marshall, Monroe, Lincoln, Hay, Hamilton, because that's the south side. And so we have collectively agreed all the money that we give here, We invested in the mission on the south side to the 42,005 people who live here. And we do this intentionally because we know, no, there are thousands of great ministries out there. I mean, there are really tens of thousands of wonderful missions all over the place. And they're always, can you help us in here and support us here? But what we've decided is that we only do things in the zip codes of 46613, 46614, and the 42,500 people who live in that zip code because this is what God has called us to. Does God love people who live in River Park? Not as much as the south side. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. No, no, that's not right. Yes, he does. But we don't do things at at River Park. We do things on the south side because of our calling, because what God has called us to. Number two, second second sentence here is, now how are we going to do this? We're going to do this through the pursuit of intentional relationships established by the Spirit of God through prayer, service, and invitation to follow Jesus. It's all about Relationships. Because we think Jesus inherently is a relational kind of guy. I mean, he shows up, and he is in neighborhoods with hands and feet, and he's connected to people in relationship. And be, what that means is nobody at Miami Hills is our project. We don't, have, we don't have any projects here. Students at Raleigh High School, they're not our project. We're interested in genuine relationship. What we've discovered is people, if if you're handing out something, they might be able to take it, but that's not a real relationship. A real relationship has to have give and take. There has to be some sort of reciprocity, if that's even a word, but you get what I'm saying, right? In terms of give and take, it's very, and and so relationships are everything. And we think it's going to happen because God's going to make it happen. We don't have to make it happen. God's going to make it happen. Sometimes churches make things a lot more difficult for themselves than they really ought to be. If we could just trust the Spirit of God in this, I think he'll take care of this for us. In fact, what we've seen over the past five or six years is, him doing exactly this. So we're just going to commit ourselves to three things. One is, let's just pray. Let's pray and ask God to establish these relationships. And so when we kicked this off six years ago, what we did is we put together a prayer room in the very back of our building. It was down that hallway where Kids Canyon is. And we asked the church, now remember, much smaller, like much smaller church. We asked everybody, could you come to the prayer room and spend one hour to pray for our vision, for our mission, for the schools around us, for the neighborhood, for the community, for our leaders here? And we thought at the time, it's gonna, I think we're going to have a good turnout. They're gonna go. I mean, you might have that 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning time slot. That won't get filled, but that's okay. God's not going to withhold blessing from us. And so when we kicked it off, here's what happened. We had somebody in that prayer room praying every hour, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week for 40 straight days. Didn't miss a single hour. And you don't know this, but do you know why many of you are here? Because of that time in prayer. Some of the things we've seen take place in this church and in our neighborhood, you know why that happened? Because of that time in prayer. And so we just think God is going to go before us to take care of this for us, so we don't have to make it up. And so we say not only pray collectively like as a church, but pray individually. And so I would say this to you. If you and your husband are going to go to the Ch- to Chippewa Bowling Alley on the weekend to go bowling, before you go, pray and ask God, is there somebody else here that you might want to open up a door of relationship for us and then go and bowl a game, keep your eyes open to that possibility, and if it happens, fantastic, praise God. And if it doesn't happen, bowl a good game and go eat pizza, right? It's just that simple, and we make it so hard, and it's not hard at all. If you're taking your kid to story time, story hour at the Tut Library or the Kern Road Library, before you go, pray to the Lord and ask him, is there some other mother here with their child that you'd want us to have a friendship with and a relationship with? And go with those eyes open, and when it opens up, praise God for it. And if not, enjoy story time and go to Stake and Shake. There's no pressure. We think God will do this for us. Number two, you can't ignore your neighborhood for 50 years, open up the door and say, hey, we've decided to be interested, and yet we recognize that's sort of what we were doing. And if we're going to do that, then you're going to have to serve the neighborhood, and you're going to have to serve them well. Like, you've got to be the heart that Jesus, we know, came to serve, not to be served. And we knew, number two, we had to serve our neighborhood with absolutely no strings attached. And this is important. What we want to do is we want to serve our community, and we're not we don't preach to them. We don't hand out tracts. We don't even invite them to church. We just want to serve with no strings attached because we think there's power in that that displays the very heart and ministry of Jesus. And so we started to kick off once a month doing something. At first we call it Reef. I don't know if you go back and remember the days of Reef. We've since changed the name to I Love Southside just because that's what our, our mission's to. And once a month we wanted to do something for our community with no strings attached. We've given groceries to Miami Hills uh, uh, Miami Hills apartments. We've handed out different carnations on Valentine's Day and we've done things in laundromats. And we had a big shoe event uh, a couple years ago ago, September, where every kid at Monroe School came to this church on a Saturday. We had the Bethel men and women's basketball teams were here. We had bouncy games and face painting and hot dogs and popcorn. And, 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 and we had over 300 students at Monroe come to the church on Saturday morning. They, got, they came into the Rockstar Room. They had their old shoes and socks taken off. They had their feet washed. They had new socks put on brand-new shoes, like Reebok shoes put on, and then somebody prayed over them, and then they went out and played and had hot dogs. And it was a phenomenal, we did month after month after month, we wanted to do those sorts of things. This past summer, we spent eight weeks doing recess which was for us an eight-week day camp for all the kids at Miami Hills from uh, a preschool to fourth grade. Came here every day, for eight, and really, we're going to do it again this summer, bigger and better than it was last year. These are the things that, here's what we're thinking. Not, hey, if you go deliver groceries at Miami Hills that next Sunday, 200 people from Miami Hills are going to show up. We didn't think that at all. We just knew if you had enough places where you could bless people with no strings attached and touch their life in some particular way that was meaningful and helpful, that there might be a day in their life when they think, I need God, and I don't know where to find Him, but there's a church around the corner that seems to love our neighborhood. Maybe I can find Him there. And what we've seen over the past five or six years is exactly that, that we've seen God move and act and work in such a way that He's just been able to open up relationships for us because of just serving. And you have to go the long haul. You can't do it just like once, once or twice. This has got to be who we are inherently by nature. We're a church that won't, listen, I don't care if not a single person in our community or neighborhood ever shows up here. We at least want them to say, we at least know that church on Donware loves our neighborhood and loves our community. And you can feel that in spirit. You can feel it in tone. And that's what we want for us. The third thing besides, I mean, back to service one more time. Uh, not only do we do that collectively as a church, but in individually we say, you should serve people. Like, if somebody behind you is at McDonald's in the drive-thru and they're not in a 15-passenger van, maybe pay for their lunch. And we had little cars that just said, because, Just because God loves you, and on the backs of Livingstone's church. And we encourage people just to hand those out. Just to, if you've got a, a neighbor in your, in, your, in your street that they can't shovel their walk, go shovel their walk for them. Jeff Gritton was telling a story this morning where uh, he was waiting for his car to warm up at work at Liberty Mutual. And so while he was waiting for his car to, to warm up, he just started blow, uh, sh- uh, wiping off the snow on everyone else's and scraping the snow off. Everyone? That's the kind of thing where let's just serve with no strings attached. Just because Jesus loves everybody, we want to be a demonstration of that. The third thing is invitation. Let's just actually step out in faith and just invite somebody to be part of the Living Stones Church. And we've done this as a church by things like every a couple times a year, we, we send out postcards to every house on the south side of South Bend, invite them to a message series. We've gotten billboards inviting people uh, to the Living Stones Church. We've done things like Young Life Club, underground cafes. These are just ways to invite people into the life of our church. And what we found is through things like prayer and service and invitation, we've seen God do crazy, amazing things among us. In fact, we've been able to celebrate that, you know, five years ago, it was 2006, Easter 2006, we had 140 people show up. And we were like, ooh, we're not dying. You know, ooh, 140. This past, five years later, this past Easter, we had over 900 people show up to the Living Stones Church for Easter. So we just experienced some great growth through, I thank God, blessing, just this movement outward to be faithful in the neighborhood and community that we find ourselves. But number three, here's the third sentence here on our vision statement. With all who accept this invitation, we will pursue spiritual transformation as disciples of Jesus in the context of community at every level, but especially in small groups. Now, the deal is, we're just not interested in getting bigger for bigger sake. I mean, I don't care if 10,000 people come to Livingstone's church. If nobody's lives are being transformed and changed because of Jesus, then we're wasting our time. Like the bottom line for us is spiritual transformation needs to take place. It means that when you get here, you could come here for however you are. I don't care what you're into, what you've done, what you think. I don't care anything about your background. You are welcome here at the Livingstones Church. But we want God to work in such a way in your life where however you enter this church that a year later you'll be different you'll look more like Jesus. And some of those things that you brought into struggles will start to fall from here. You won't be walking on water in a year's time, but I, we want to be different, transformed, changed. And I know this can happen at any level. It could happen you and your car. It could happen just, I mean, I know those things can happen any place. The, our experience is small groups is a place where this happens best. Let your, your life could be on fire, like everything would be burning down all around you, and you could still come week after week on a Sunday morning. Hi, how are you? Good, good to see you. What do you think of the Colts? Well, they're bad this year. See you next week. And you could do that for years. But it's hard to be in a living room with 8 to 12 other people or at the Martin's Side Door Deli and your life be crashing in and nobody know and be able to help you and support you and bless you and pray for you and minister to you in your needs. And so in about a month from now, we're going to talk about small groups because we're about to launch them again here at the Living Stones Church in a way that I am more excited about than I've ever been excited in small groups at any church I've ever been to. And so keep your ears open. I want to share some things here in a, a month from now about those sorts of things. And then finally, number four, here's a fourth sentence of our vision statement. Then we'll repeat this process by establishing other communities with like vision in other parts of South Bend, Michigan, and throughout the world. So sometimes people ask, well, how big do you plan on getting? And the answer is, well, whatever is faithful, 42,500 people live on the south side of South Bend. But we're committed to here, to this neighborhood, to this location. And so this is the only room we have to meet in collectively, right? So we've gone to one service, to two, to two, to three, and we can only do so many of those, right? And then you just you can't do any more of those. I only have 308 of these tan chairs. That's the only parking lot we have. That kid's canyon back there, that's the only space that we have. Men, we've got one bathroom, right? And even though there's two urinals in there, functionally, how many urinals do we really have? One, because they're so close together, it's just a little awkward, right? So we know, <laughs> we know that there's limitations to... So what that means is we're not interested in consuming the masses of St. Joe County. What we're interested in is sending out churches with this like vision. So here's what I picture. Within the next 24 to 36 months, we want to gather around 250 people who maybe live on the east side of South Bend or who just have that entrepreneurial spirit to get involved in something that's new and exciting or just you know kind of have that woo. and we're going to pray for you. We're going to equip you. We're going to train you, but then we're going to gather around you and kick your butts out of here. That's what we're going to do. And then one week you'll be here, and then the next week there'll be a Livingstones Church East. And instead so of talking about Riley High School, you'll talk about Adams. Instead so of about Monroe or Lincoln, you'll talk about McKinley. and of so talking about Jackson, you'll talk about Jefferson. And you'll be planted in the middle of a neighborhood doing neighborhood things, just like we've done here, reaching out instead of the zip codes of 46613, 46614. You'll reach out to 46615, 46617. And I talk really fast, and you can go back to the podcast and slow it down so you can catch every word of this. But you see what I'm saying? And then you know what those two churches are going to do? They're going to love on their neighborhoods and their community like Jesus would by by seeking relationships and prayer and service and invitation and then going after spiritual transformation. And then they're going to plant other churches, maybe one on the north side, maybe one on the west side, maybe one in Elkhart, Plymouth, LaPorte. And what's going to happen is eventually we're going to take over the world. Amen. So maybe we'll send somebody to start a church in Kenya. Or maybe you're like, I love Mexico. Great, let's start a Livingstones church in Mexico. And you just be right in the middle of a neighborhood doing neighborhood things just like Jesus would. And so even though it's very local, I go back to my south side. Yes, right now we're reaching out to the south side. That's what we concentrate on. But our, our end game is, no, we're taking this all over the place. And so if you don't live on the south side, no problem because we're going to need you. If you live on the west side, fantastic, we're going to need you. And so ultimately, we just want to send other Living Stones churches, and I need like three hours to really talk this morning, and I don't have it. i got I to end right now, but we're, we're next, the next two weeks, I want to talk to you about where we're headed next. Like, here's sort of where we've been, here's where God has taken us, but here's where I think he wants us to go in 2012 on the next steps in regards to our neighborhood and our community, and how do we launch out another Living Stones church to another part of our city. But it's exciting. Listen to me. I'm having the time of my life. Like, the first seven years here, were terrible. <laughs> But since, I'm having the time of my life because I'm getting to see God do crazy, amazing things because I think he's crazy in love with the neighborhood around us. And really, he'll take care of them even without us. But it's been our great honor to be able to participate with him, for him to be able to say, I can trust you with these things, and so I'm going to give them to you, and it's been just, it's been good. And so, anyhow, uh, we'll pick up from here next week as we talk in the next two weeks more about where we're going. But let's stand together. Let me just pray, and we'll invite the band back up here. And, um, Father, we give you thanks for what you've done in this place, and we trust, Lord, that you're not through with us, that we still want to be servants, that you could look down from heaven and say, I can trust them with the things that I love the most, the people who live all around us in our neighborhoods and our community. So would you fill us with your spirit, empower us with what it is that we need to love well on those who live, the 42,500 people who live all around us. And I pray, Lord, that over and over again, we will see story after story of people's lives being changed and transformed for your glory and the one who sits at your right hand, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.